Hey girlies, welcome to Crisis Twink, the podcast where we ring the alarm about cultural emergencies. Whether it's a flop album, an insane headline, a problematic fave, or just something that needs to be urgently discussed or you'll die, we're going to revive it and make sure it gets the medical assistance it so desperately needs. My name is Drew Haskins, and I'm the only twink who can save a culture in crisis. Though joining me today is I would say almost an equally capable twink, um, if he will take that description. Um, oh my he's God. a film and TV professional, dance music enthusiast, and dear friend, Will Sandercock. Hi. Oh my God. You called me a twink? Oh my God. I'm so, I'm so happy to be here. I'm <laughs> so honored. It's a high honor to me, at least, but like there's been such a reignition of um, twink, twink is a slur discourse this past <laughs> week. Have you been seeing that? Oh, yes. Yeah, and I keep seeing it unfold. Um, I actually just watched my first episode of any Real Housewives franchise last week. Oh my it was god! Salt Lake City, and so I was like fully brought into the whole twink as a slur, like discourse about mm. that. <laughs> that episode, and for that to be your first ever episode of Housewives is truly mind blowing to me. Like you picked a good one. Like I think Salt Lake City this oh, season's going to be electric. Yeah. I was blown away. I was like, this is incredible. I, this is the right place for me to be coming in. So what was your like reticence about the house size in the first place? Like I've, I've known that you are not a huge reality person outside of like drag race. Um, it's, it's not that I had anything against it. Um, it just seemed so just unwieldy and there was just so much of it in so many different franchises that I just had like no clue where to start or when to start Um, yeah and the other thing I have with it is it's just like there's a lot of reality tv where it just feels like with when it comes to drama it feels like so manufactured that like to me as a person who tries to like who does a lot of like conflict resolution and gets very nervous when people fight um half the time watching like those shows I get like absurdly nervous because I'm just like wait if you just like talk to this person for like five seconds you'd be fine right these women are not especially great communicators let's say yeah like yeah I I mean call me stupid I somehow am able to like suspend my disbelief for housewives like drama fakery just because it's either the show really only runs in two modes like so drama so outlandish that it just has to be true like or just stuff that's empirically true like I mean Salt Lake City and Beverly Hills right now are both really good because there are legal cases involved which you can't fake a legal (laughs) case like well just like the opening of Salt Lake City where like the feds show up to the bus yeah like I mean, unreal unreal Absolutely. filmmaking just irresistible television like ari aster could take some notes from how they shot <laughs> talk about stress and dread and it's it's crazy because the other mode that housewives usually operates in is it's just so dull sometimes like beverly hills yeah. went through four straight seasons of like yeah. impossible to watch dullness and now we're the levels are spiking again <laughs> uh what is so on salt lake city like who who were you drawn to? Oh my God. Ugh. 
I feel bad because I can't remember her name, but I think they just added her this season. Oh, Jenny. Um, yeah, she's like the young one who's like 30 something. I I, th- I think she's faking that that number. I, think, I, I think that number is a suggestion. I don't think that's a... Like, I think she was like 30. They said she was like 35 or 36 or something. I don't know um, if I, I don't know if I believe that. But I, I do just, like her too. I, I thought it was rude was that she just, said her husband was a butterface, but just the way she like dropped that cake, yeah, that she had um, that she was carrying to like like bring to her like stepkids. Oh no 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 no! Yeah, that's Whitney. Yeah, Whitney. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, Jenny is the the new one who's from Vietnam. Oh, Jenny's great. Jenny seems like a genuinely good person. I was yeah. Like, why are you Why are you on this show? You actually have like. Oh, like a reason to be here like you have a whole life story no I definitely um I'm interested where they go with her because I was pretty surprised that someone that like seemingly level-headed was cast to Whitney yeah. is unbelievable I am not historically am... a huge Whitney lover but she was <laughs> making me laugh this episode like I was just obsessed with her that like she dropped that cake like 12 times kept trying to pick it up dropped it more it didn't realize like oh wait I should just do two trips carry this cake with like two hands but just kept carrying it with one hand literally dropped it like three times in a row and just still scooped it up off of the floor like twice it I don't especially know especially in a time I, of COVID it just ugh, ugh, ugh. <laughs> I just aspire to be that you know type of person in the future where I can just like smash through life and still be like loved loved by a husband who's wealthier than me (laughs) that I I think they like they worked together didn't they like she met her husband at work yeah and they they I believe they left their respective spouses for each other and got excommunicated from the church the Mormon church as a result so they're both ex-Mormons that yeah. it's crazy like weirdly enough the the house i found that show i stand the most is the only actual practicing mormon i love lisa barlow i love lisa <laughs> barlow i i think i've said this on this pod before but i do see myself in lisa barlow to like such an uncomfortable degree <laughs> like i don't know the, yeah, what that can, says about friendships but it's i can <laughs> kind of see that actually i don't know i don't know why it's but, I just like how business you. focused she is and like she's so like like she is such an uplifting person but she says it so like monotonely like I don't know <laughs> I, I I do I do really I do really love her I also like Meredith a lot too yeah. who is the Lisa lookalike with the twink as a slur son who's still figuring it out his sexuality apparently which was news to me absolutely I, was, I saw that today and was blown away I was like oh he's still figuring it out but like I think We're she's all... revised the take to be like no one should have to come out at all that's real equality which is very because I mean that kid is like very obviously like yeah yeah I just I feel like we all should just try to he's so young and he's like getting wrapped into okay this, he, like, weird he's not world. so young he's like 22 I think he just yeah. graduated from NYU. Oh, he just okay. Well, I don't he's know. fair game. He's like a, a little younger than like people we know. Okay, 
okay i don't know it just at any time you're speculating on someone who hasn't come out yet i get very nervous about it but but like how, i'm sorry but how has he not, he goes to nyu he I goes mean, to yeah, gallup and he I has know, a line I of know. sweatsuits like that's well, he has a line of sweatsuits oh my god you need to look up the brooks marks <laughs> tracksuit they retail for like 168 dollars i think for the set they're made oh out of like god. tote bag material like I, I I'm sure they're flammable and but they sold out in like <laughs> minutes when he dropped them earlier this year. Like they're oh wait, so now he's like directly profiting off this his appearance on this show. Yeah, he was way. like I mean, I think he's sort okay. of a very divisive figure in the Housewives fandom, but he was one of the breakout stars. Like Salt Lake City season one was pretty good and perfectly washable without ever being like treading into like classic territory this season yeah. is gonna like give what's supposed to be gay oh like i i'm just like just the way that premiere episode opened with them starting with the like the arrest it just reminds me of like an hbo show where they start with the murder oh and yeah they just like rewind back and give you like five episodes building up to the murder and it's just yeah. like, perfect television because you're just like know what's coming and you're just waiting for it I don't know if you watched the trailer for this season too, but like so much yes. of it revolves around yes. <laughs> like the aftermath of the arrest and like this, like I I knew the arrest was happening, but now that we're having some sort of like who's the rat kind of I'm that's obsessed with that as a plot line because it just seems psychotic. Like if the FBI was after her, like of course they're gonna know where she is. Like yeah. it doesn't they didn't need to call one of the housewives to find out who ratted her out. Like, I but at know, the same time, would... like, what if? I mean, maybe, but like, if, for example, like, let's say I, as someone who works in like TV production, if like I was in the production office and the FBI called asking like where this cast member was, we probably would tell them. Oh, yeah. No, I think you'd have to. Like, like... You'd definitely tell them. Like, if they think... come with a warrant for someone's arrest. That's the Patriot like, Act, I think. I don't know what the Patriot Act is. Well, but, I mean, they could have like they could have gotten a, a warrant to track her cell phone too. And yeah, I don't know. She I, seems like someone who really just like posts through it. Oh, she she posts. Both of the like the housewives felons right now are like really posting <laughs> through because Erica Jane's Instagram has been like a cesspool especially the last like six episodes or like the last six weeks while the episodes have been airing um all i know is this though the day jen shaw got arrested back in whenever it was like february march whenever it was brooks marks did post some sort of video to twitter and instagram of him rapping along to a Nicki minaj verse from a song i do not remember basically saying like like he like was gonna call he called the feds like i don't i know that's not true but like i mean a barb a barb is capable of anything and we do know that from the past few weeks capable of anything anything at all frighteningly more obvious at the days that go by well i think it's time speaking of barbs uh, this isn't a great segue, but we are going to play Go Call the Governor. I'm going to present you with three cultural scenarios from recent and or ancient history, 
and you're going to decide whether or not the governor needs to be called. There are no wrong answers here, but your choice is binary. <laughs> so let's play. You ready? Let's go. All right. So the reason I did my half-assed Barb segue is <laughs> because your first topic is King of the Barb associate Lil Nas X's associate. <laughs> Jack Harlow, does the governor yeah. need to be called? About Jack. I, you know, it's very, he is so strange to me. Normally, I don't, I have no attraction to straight white men of that type. Mm -hmm. But in that music video, the industry baby video, yeah. he just showed up with just so much swagger. I hate saying swagger. Because it feels like a really like 2013 word. Yeah, <laughs> it does. But there was there was something going on there that was very something shifted. Something shifted. I was just like, oh, okay. I, I think a lot of people were like, oh, <laughs> like I I knew what he looked like, but I didn't know what he looked like I guess like not like that like yeah. in that context I was like oh and ever since then I feel like I've seen him with like a brand new vision yeah and like his verse I thought in in industry baby was quite good yeah like, I don't it really just like sometimes you have those like you know feature tracks where people just jump on and it doesn't add anything and you're just like waiting for it to end yeah but for him I was like oh this is very good they very clearly and have like a lot of like duet chemistry. Yeah, no, like they yeah. they do a lot of like funny stuff on red carpets together and like they seem like they're genuinely pretty chummy. And then I think two, two memes resurfaced this week about Jack Harlow, where the first of which I have, it's a video I've watched literally every time it's popped up on my timeline where some <laughs> British girl is interviewing him for like a oh, yeah. web series and he's talking about how much he likes lending libraries like not actually getting the books but just like walking by and like seeing the little like birdhouse yeah, and she asks him if he can read it's so so funny but he's like so smooth and chill about it and that's so f I would like to see him host SNL you know I feel so bad saying this but I feel like asking him if he can read was a genuine question yeah like the way <laughs> the way he looks and the way he was speaking about lending libraries and didn't he say he like doesn't ever like go in them but he just like he doesn't presence. go in the lending library no he does not <laughs> like um I mean I would was, be offended if someone could ask me if I could read but I think but he was like so chill was, and cool about it like I think I, that honest I I, feel I saw like another valid question oh absolutely <laughs> like Though I did, I'm I did sorry, see another I'm sorry clip. Sorry to Jack Harlow. I'm sorry to Jack Harlow, but well, the, you should be sorry, or like you know who should be sorry is Sharon Stone because that was the <laughs> second meme that really, inexplicably earlier today, we're recording this on Monday the twentieth. She shared something, a, a post to her Insta story, um, that was just a caption of a picture of him with the caption. Jack Harlow looks like someone power washed post Malone, which is a just rude as hell in general, but very funny. But why is Sharon Stone posting that? 
Why, first of all, why does Sharon Stone know who Jack Harlow and Post Malone are? Um, like, that's incredible to me. I do like, actually have an answer to this. Oh, I, I need like to an actual this. answer. Sharon Stone is allegedly reportedly dating the rapper Rumor RMR, who is famous for wearing ski masks. No one knows his real identity, and he does like, like raps over like sampled chopped up country songs like his breakout hit was like a remix basically of the song bless the broken road by rascal flats (laughs) and sharon and he's 26 and he's dating allegedly dating sharon stone so like i it would make sense that she knows like her peers and stuff his peers Uh, i love her i love her i like Okay, two things about Sharon Stone, just to go on a tangent. I just, like, she, I just watched Casino for the first time over the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And also, like, uh, a Basic Instinct and, like, Total Recall, which she's in. In all three of those movies, since seeing them, I have, like, given up on every goal I have in life. And I just want to be as hot as she is in, yeah. like, Casino, specifically. It, like, it's, it's... And, and, a heat check to, for all of us. <laughs> like, oh yeah, yeah. I mean, very like, few people like, look that hot. Oh, your your audio cut out. Technical difficulties. Sorry, can you hear me? Yeah, you're good. I'm okay, not cutting any sorry. of this out. So, what were you saying? <laughs> oh, just like in Azalea Banks's new song, and I don't know if I can see the title of it. Because I don't, I know this is a family podcast. It is nothing of the but, sort. It's called "Fuck 'Em okay. All Night" and go stream it on iTunes. <laughs> but she has one line where she literally says, "I'm hot like Sharon Stone in Casino." Yeah, she like just, Megan The Stallion has talked a lot about how Sharon Stone is like a fashion and like sex icon. To her too. Like I is, think she's she like a reference is. point for the girls. I mean, like, did you see her last week at the Met Gala? Yeah, like, she looked incredible. Like in custom, like Tom Brown, this like really unique, like gown. I would I wouldn't even call it a gown. It was actually like this weird. It was like a jacket and a vest. Like there was so much going on with it. But I just like loved that she actually followed the theme and wore an American design. Yeah, and like paid, like tribute to a classic American design motif, pinstripes yeah. in New yeah. York City. It was co- it was yeah. so cool. Like. She just, I just, I mean, she is such, like, a style icon in general. Like, I'm, I keep waiting for her to get that, like, one big comeback role that, like, really takes yeah. her to the next stratosphere. And I don't know what that's going to be, but, like, the the but audience I mean, is there. People love her. She, she did an interview with Vulture, I think, a couple months ago. Mm-hmm. And they were, like, talking to her. I think she, she just had a book come out and she was there promoting the book. But she basically said that, she doesn't have an agent anymore and she's just waiting for someone to come to her with like a script that's so good and a director that she respects yeah and like but until then she's like not reaching out or going to do anything that she doesn't want to do because she feels so burnt by some of the like previous experiences she had no that's totally fair and like she it seems like she has a pretty charmed existence too like i like she's still like raking in income that book you mentioned was like a ginormous bestseller earlier this year and like i mean basic instinct 
just went viral on TikTok like two weeks ago again. Like people Ooh, like there's did. like a yeah, like the interrogation oh scene. Like people oh, how do, really I'm on the wrong side of TikTok. Jesus Christ. I if like some 15-year-old in Iowa is like looking at Sharon Stone and being like, who is that? I want to be her when I grow up. Like I think that is that justifies <laughs> the platform for me. So <laughs> All right, we got to move on to the next topic. Bucket hats. Does the governor need to be called? Oh, that one's so, this one's like personally difficult for me as someone who recently considered buying a bucket hat, mm -hmm. but didn't do it. Uh, oh God. Like You're talking to a current bucket hat owner. <laughs> so if that helps you, I do, I do. I'm asking this though, because you like I have one, but I think I look silly in it. If you, if you had asked me a year ago if we should call the governor on bucket hats, I would have said, yes, absolutely. Call the police, call the governor, everything. But now yeah. I'm kind of like, oh, they do kind of work on some people. Yeah, I, I mean, I think you have to be like model level hot to do it. It's not it's not for everyone. Like I, I thought I would, I don't know. I got, I was in the same boat as you. I got peer pressured basically by like the trend <laughs> reports that I follow into like getting one just to try it out. And um, yeah, it's getting you know, peer pressured functional. by ASOS. They yeah. are, they are very functional. I have not gotten a bad sunburn on the back of my neck since getting it. And I do wear it like, especially over the summer, I was wearing it three times a week basically. But like, did I look good? No, like I looked like the like twink version of Schoolboy Q, which was not white twink version of Schoolboy Q, which is not <laughs> not a a good look for me. I think. I mean, if it's preventing you from getting sunburned, probably worth it to wear it in the end. I don't know. Do we think they're going to go away though? I mean, everything. I, I have never had less a clue of how to dress and what to buy in fashion than I do right now. I feel like all the stuff I bought coming out of quarantine to be current with fashion is now like going out of fashion already. Yeah. So I, I, I just feel like I can't answer that. Like, because everything's moving so fast now. <laughs> We're like, I mean, especially the, um, I mean, there's so much like Y2K aesthetic signifier yeah. shit to like excavate and I feel like a lot of people are in a phase where they're trying out the like preppy Abercrombie American Eagle kind of stuff again which like is so triggering to me but also like I yeah. unfortunately have so much not like specifically Abercrombie and American Eagle but like I have so much of that like preppy shit from like growing up still like clattering around in my closet the like I'm I'm I wore a polo shirt today to something that like I probably had not worn in oh, eight no. years maybe oh no <laughs> but like <laughs> a lot of other people were wearing similar things so yeah yeah the the y2k stuff to me is like absolutely wild to me because like literally I I don't even know it was this was like I think three years ago Balenciaga put out a bunch of ads and like I forget what runway it was but they did basically matrix y2k fashion yeah in like 2018 2019 and everyone they posted like a promotive video of it on Twitter and all the comments were just like 
what the fuck is this? This is disgusting. Like, why is anyone wearing this? This is awful. Now, literally two years later, I'm like, oh, they were absolutely ahead of their time. Yeah, exactly. All of that is the fashion, and I'm buying and clothes to try to look like that. Balenciaga. Like, like I watch, I watch, rewatched The Matrix last week, and the whole time I was just like, every time they were in their like full leather stuff, I was just like, this is iconic. This is so good. And it is. I want to like, look like that. <laughs> like, and I, yeah, I mean, Balenciaga is so good at like excavating decades too. Like, I mean, like five, yeah. six years ago, back when like Demna Vasalia first joined the house, like they did that whole collection. I think this was 2017, where they were basically like melding like 90s Soviet like blue jean craze aesthetics <laughs> with like American streetwear. Yeah. And they just keep doing that. I will and I think like they really like set the trend in a lot of ways with like yeah. the 2018 collections towards this pivot. I will say this though, the Y2K stuff really only works for me as like streetwear and like casual style. Like the yeah. VMA raid carpets um <laughs> last week was it? I guess like last week. I thought everyone looked fucking awful. <laughs> but because a lot of those like red carpet dresses in Y2, like the Y2K era were terrible, like terrible, yeah. terrible, terrible. And like, I don't know. I, I just don't think that side translates well, but like, I see all these teens on TikToks looking like cool and like low rise yeah. and stuff. I'm like, oh, that's like kind of badass. But yeah, I can't pull that off. Yeah, I... I can't either, but you know what? I think we're at a point now where you know the world's probably going to end soon. So you, you should just have our wear ass what you think. Out. Yeah, you should wear what you think makes you look hot and just be happy with it. So if that I, means wearing a bucket hat, wear a bucket hat. I'm gonna burn to a crisp <laughs> under the sun's hot, hot rays, wearing my bucket hat <laughs> and having like a whale tail, like you wouldn't fucking believe. So. <laughs> All right, let's move uh, on to the last, a quick, a quick topic maybe, because this is a simple one. The 10th anniversary of Call Me Maybe is today. Does the governor need oh to be called? <sighs> you know, she, she posted, Carly on her Instagram today, like posted a little mock-up of her looking like a grandma. Yeah. Like she like redid the Call Me, Call Me Maybe, like cover art with her with gray hair and like, had like a ball of yarn knitting a sweater yeah it just like it was it was just weird to me because I distinctly remember when that song took off I was like graduating college in like 2012 yeah and like we were at a bar and we had like we're now all 21 so we all could go out together and we were putting money into a jukebox to play call me maybe because he thought it was the greatest thing ever and the bar owner like skip kept skipping over it and we were furious but he was just like so sick of that song like i've just a distinct memory of it and it was just so fun it it <sighs> is know. fun it it's just, like it one of... weird it's weird like being like jesus christ that was like 10 years ago now but yeah this <laughs> usually i don't feel like super old um when these anniversary retrospectives come out but from like yeah honestly from like teenage dreams 10 year retrospective last year till now <laughs> till since then I have felt crazy because I feel like 2010 and 2011 were really when I started like 
hardcore engaging in like music and culture at large yeah, and, like, yeah, yeah. 2011 alone I mean like in the past few weeks like 212 had its 10 year anniversary like call me maybe oh like God. all these things that we that were so big and a very formative time in my life are like they don't it doesn't feel like 10 years ago either what's so crazy about 212 is it still feels it still sounds so modern yeah like I feel like she could put that out like I mean obviously everyone there's a lot of music that's come out in that style but like but she was literally the trend the trendsetter for that yeah yeah I don't think you could have any of her many like children without that I don't think you could have people who are like massively successful like Doja Cat without Azalea Banks like oh yeah absolutely I also think it's kind of funny like 212 is like a diss track kind of at some like other rapper rival it's about Nikki oh really yeah oh Jesus okay imagine I like for Nikki to still have a career after that like I'd I'd be sick well you know I've always I sometimes listen to it and I think about all the disses she's like lobbing at Nikki now apparently I'm like Azalea you kind of fell into all of those yourself yeah like you could have been the biggest thing but you just constantly fight with literally everyone in the world that you work with I mean people celebrities and countries as you mentioned last week it it was (laughs) yes so many countries like I mean, I, th- I believe it was Lana Del Rey herself who said you could have had it all banks. Um, yes. And she could. And she, yeah, but you know what? I think she's in like a renaissance right now because those tours, um, those concerts she did in New York a few weeks ago looked so fun and she sounded yeah. great at them and she's d- taken on the road. She's going to Miami and I bet she'll go to LA too. I saw yeah, her in 2016 just, uh... at the El Rey and it was still like one of the best shows of my life. Oh really? Okay. You know, I I was this is like hilarious in my past, but I went to Hard Fest, which is like this big EDM festival in LA back in 2013. And she was supposed to perform at that. And I was so psyched because that was like a year after the like 1991 EP came out. Yeah. And I was like beyond excited. And she just canceled day of, just did not show up. Like no reasons given. Yeah. Like, so like that she, was her real like flop beginning of her flop era and I was just like oh my god girl she just has like a I think she seems like she's in a really good place now but she just does not have the ability to keep it together or at least until now yeah. has not had the ability to keep it together like 2013 rough patch 2014 broke with expensive taste came out obviously <laughs> a classic album with a best rap albums of all time I think I do honestly think that and then crickets kind of like yeah six years so of sort of we can't get it that could be its own episode I'm trying to save that for a future episode so we'll put a pin in that for now but um now like the big big beat did come out in 2016 and that was like the last great song that happened before the elections so you mean, do you mean the one that Rupert, RuPaul Charles ripped off yeah and then she called him some horrendous names (laughs) horrendous names you know i'm i've been slowly forgiving her for a lot like you know yeah all the stuff she said about all the stuff she said about like 
white gays, I realize have slowly realized, oh wait, you're absolutely right about all oh, of that. She's and I'm like, you were right and you were ahead of your time. And I'm sorry I didn't believe you at the time. Though I do struggle with the transphobia. Like, yeah, which she she's really like difficult for me. The, she's been apologizing constantly for that recently in a way that I'm like, yeah. okay, I'm kind of glad that like you you seem to like get it and like you've clearly done some sort of education stuff. The words she said were heinous back in the day. <laughs> you know, I mean, the official party line on Azalea Banks here at Crisis Link <laughs> is that when she's right, she's extremely right. And when she's wrong, oh, yeah. no one else on earth has ever been more wrong. So it's, yeah. it's well, tough. I mean, the thing is, it, I know she's like on from it, but I think like a week or two ago, she tweeted about Kim Petras and she was like, oh, those hormones are making like Kim Petras like look like a laundry hamper. Oh. And it was bizarre. <laughs> and then Kim Petras in her like brilliance tweeted just um, didn't even mention her but just tweeted a photo of a hot pink laundry hamper saying i look hot well good for <laughs> that's no good like, for kim that it's truly that one step like, forward two steps back with her i yeah she's been I very mean, vocal. Hey, she, azalea hates dr luke she, so like yeah and she was and she's right too uh, yeah and, she's right too but you can't say that about kim you can't like oh i know that just god i didn't know that now i'm bummed all over again i'm gonna need to go eat one of my cookies to get my uh energy level up so we're gonna take a quick break and we're gonna be right back and we are back let's move on to this episode's cultural emergency will what are you rushing to the er today well let's see i'm i'm hesitant to I'm trying to figure out a way to phrase this without sounding like a, uh, a an angry old man yelling at a cloud. Mm-hmm. But my emergency is uh, mainstream dance music is now getting interested in turning its attention towards house music. And as someone who has been a fan of house music for a long time now, it is deeply frightening to me seeing yeah. this like, basically like piercing laser of culture that like just absorbs things and just leaves wreckage from everything it grabs. It's deeply frightening to me to see it happening. And it worries me about what's going to come out on the other side of this. So you've like touched on a little bit before we went to break on your experiences, like with house music and like festival going, like how did you get into the scene in the first place? Um, it, Besides just then, gay. Yeah, <laughs> it's been like a long journey for me, and it really started back when I was in high school, of all places. Uh, it was like 2006, 2007, and that was right when I was like an indie rock kid. But right about that time, Justice put out their first album, mm-hmm. and I had been prepped for dance, getting into dance music because I was a huge LCD Sound System fan. And the moment like Justice put out this kind of like dance album that was kind of heavy with like loud kick drums it provided this like ramp for a ton of like rock kids to be like oh wait this is kind of cool yeah i want to check this out and then right at the same time daft punk did their alive yeah. 2007 tour which i was absurd absurdly lucky and got to see at the time at Lollapalooza in 2007 wow 
That it was just one of those. Actually, <laughs> yeah, it was insane. I couldn't believe it at the time. It was it was just one of those things, those moments where you're just like you can literally like see culture changing in front of you, and you're just like blown away by what you're witnessing. I think that French blog house transition was like a big thing for like alt rock yeah. fans actually at that time. Like, yeah, because I mean there was like dancey rock music but like so much of it was that sort of like post-punky like you know the daft punk or the like not daft punk lcd like the rapture stuff like that like i think they like prepped everyone for it and so then when like the french electro like blockhouse stuff started hitting Mm -hmm. in the late aughts like that's when a lot of people started like flipping over and were just like oh wait i really like this this is cool yeah um and then like Daft Punk with their, you know, massive pyramid and all of that, they kind of like launched this, you know, cultural wave where they kind of figured out a way to like tour as DJs and do this incredible like spectacle of a show. Like prior to that, no one, you know, you tour with DJs and they just kind of be on a stage and people yeah. face them, but no one really would like have like a full show you could do that was like accessible to like anyone. But like that all changed like right in that moment. And like that's when like EDM started popping off. So yeah, it's the DJ as rock star, like yeah. And that yeah. obviously, in the same way that like rock stars gave way to just sort of like, you know, talentless celebrities cosplaying yeah. as rock stars, like you see a lot of kind of pretty boilerplate festival EDM DJs, like yeah. Well, I mean, like, put on one of the mouse things, heads and stuff and do. Yeah, and I mean, it's it's weird. Like you see, like Marshmallow, for example, and like yeah. no tea, no shade to Marshmallow, but I'm just like, dude, like we already did this. Like we had Daft Punk with like the robot heads, and we had Dead Mouse with his mouse head. And like ten yeah. years later, you're gonna do like you're gonna put on a Marshmallow head and make that your whole thing. Like, I mean, I don't know. It's clearly working for him. Like it's yeah. great branding. I mean, he's. <laughs> arguably one of the top five most famous djs working right now yeah from like a mass and also like he has like mass like brand recognition because of the hat or like the bucket yeah thing but it's like a literal bucket not like a bucket (laughs) like i don't know what it is this is a marshmallow like like, i hate to say i attended this but like back when i played fortnite he did like a fortnite concert yeah and they had like you could buy like marshmallow like gear so you could have a marshmallow hat and like a marshmallow like axe pick and everything and for weeks that's what everyone had like everyone had the marshmallow stuff he's done a lot of collaborations with like twitch streamers and stuff too like he tapped into the gaming Mm -hmm. aspect of things pretty early on yeah in a way that like i mean definitely like good business savvy there but yeah i don't know i the music is the music is just so chain smokersy for me like i mean well and then that's that's ultimately like the point i'm ultimately trying to get to is like so like there was daft punk with their like a live 2007 concert and like that got that opened up a whole new world for people and inspired all these different people like skrillex was at one of their shows and was yeah. direct, like says he was directly inspired by them to like start making music 
and like they edm just exploded after that like and it kept getting bigger every year and year until like 2014 2015 it seemed like that bubble started yeah like i i think i'm stealing this phrase from chris deville at stereo gum but like that was when like the mor edm kind of started like i mean almost like easy listening edm like it was not yeah like yeah people like from like 2011 i feel like especially to 2014 like people like zed and mm-hmm. like i mean swedish house mafia like disbanded i think at that point but like don't you worry child was like such a big song my like senior year of high yeah. school um yeah. avici obviously like ginormous well, I mean, talents like, like in the field over there everyone was doing all these just massive like big room tracks that were kind of like taking elements of progressive house and also like dubstep and just kind of mixing it all into one and that worked for a very long time but i feel like at least for me around 2013 2014 that style started feeling like really like burnt out to me like there was um i wish i downloaded it so i could play it for you for us on this podcast but we can we cannot do the licensing so i'm glad you did that (laughs) someone made like a mashup of like drop beat drops in like top 40 dance hits of that time and you can literally hear it's like literally just drop after drop after drop and you literally hear the djs like copying each other and doing almost the same thing and just having slight variations in it and then someone else copies that variation and it just keeps going and going and you're just like oh my god this is so boring and i feel like we start we hit 2016 2017 and for me personally i had tuned out from dance music at that point yeah there was like a few people i would like keep up with if they did something but otherwise i just wasn't following it i mean you from like 2013 to 2016 the uk was having a pretty nice like classicist revival with like between just like i mean just standard like uk house and like a lot of like cool garage stuff like i mean yeah disclosure settle is still one of my favorite albums of the 2010s like oh it's it's a perfect album and i still like almost 10 years later you listen to that and you're just like how did you guys make this like what special sauce did they throw on it because it sounds more in its top to bottom anything hits too like i feel like a lot of um unless it's like fairly experimental a lot of like kind of more poppy dance music does not translate super well to an album format just because it can be so like repetitive even when you're like trying to like sync it as a mix or whatever which i don't think settle is yeah. synced as a mix but like um yeah. it the vibes are so different like the tones are so different in each song having vocalists like actual great professional yeah. vocalists like i mean lest we forget they launched sam smith's career for oh, better or worse but <laughs> latch i think is like they one of the best did. songs I was like blown away. I knew Jesse Ware was like on one of my favorite tracks of the album, but I somehow didn't like connect her name until What's Your Pleasure came out. Yeah. Just like, oh my God, Jesse Ware was here. Yeah, she was riding off. She had she has a really, really, really good album from 2012 called Devotion. That's sort of like a Prince Sade mashup. Okay. Um, she didn't really I love it when she does like dancey stuff 
though and yeah. like i'm glad that like what's your pleasure it is an album that just gets better every listen and like yeah yeah i think i'm glad that she like worked more in that direction for the new stuff and i kind of i mean i would love to see her work with disclosure again at some point though like yeah. a lot of their stuff recently has been kind of yeah but yeah well to get back to the 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 I'm oh yeah, we're where I was going with it. Tangent all over the place. Well, no, Sorry. it's a great tangent. Yeah. No, and you, you, the point you made is absolutely correct. Um, you know, like I feel like the big room EDM thing stopped kind of working for a lot of these people around 2018, 2019, because from 2019, there were all these in 20 going into 2020, there are all these weird moments where like these big massive DJs were suddenly announcing that they were pivoting to house music yeah like calvin harris right before the pandemic hit was like hey i'm rebranding as this like 90s house techno yeah thing called love regenerator and they're and, still dropping like there's a new love yeah. regenerator song that just came out this past week and I, I hate to say this but i really like a lot of it yeah but i'm also just like funny to be i'm like oh you're definitely appropriating all these different concepts that well, he, out there, like but. he's he's always been sort of like a a dance music culture vulture because like that first album of his, oh, yeah. like with acceptable he's... in the 80s is like such a daft oh, punk yeah. knockoff and yeah. then like he, i mean he did the big room stuff pretty well for a few albums and then yeah i feel like yeah, from one great, kiss onward very, he's a very talented producer yeah but like and also like funk wave bounces had some like low-key bops on there yeah slide is incredible like, slides incredible but like also like diplo too announced he was pivoting to house music who was like you know yeah he was like the maybe like the biggest ambassador of mod the modern era for like dance hall yeah and was like, and like the hey, Baton stuff yeah and it was like hey actually like i'm rebranding my whole like serious xm station as like all house music all the time it was just like real surprising yeah it, for me i was like oh this is cool this like weird repetitive music that i can't play for my friends because they say it's boring now all these major people are like saying they love it and like are getting into it but yeah i am just very worried because the way mainstream edm american edm took what was going on with dubstep and just like destroyed it <laughs> yeah like, i mean they took they, all the great ideas from it and just repeated it over and over and over again to something that just turned everyone off to it it just left it as a wreckage of its former self I yeah was like oh my god they're gonna do that at the house to be fair like i i i have never been a ginormous dubstep fan but you could really only go two ways with it like mm -hmm. either make it really 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 big yeah and blown out to the point where it's like not quite it's not quite traditionally listenable yeah anymore or you take it so small that it's like it's either just like not too experimental in the other way like i think a lot of like sophie's early stuff is like pretty like pared yeah. down minimalist dubstep yeah. like that kdb album that just turned 10 mm -hmm. earlier this year very pared down minimal dubstep in a lot of ways like or you're just well, watering like it down to like chain like, smokers chunky drops 
Yeah, and that's kind of what it ended up meaning. And they just it just became chunky drops everywhere. Yeah. Like I I I've always just preferred like brighter, dancier, more up tempo stuff. And like a lot of like the big like top 40 um like dance hits from like 2011 and 2014 are not my favorite thing in the world. Mm-hmm. Like I don't like a lot yeah. of that Avicii stuff, honestly. Like the like don't wake me ups and like Oh, levels obviously so is like it's I was in um I went to college in the south and like that was that came out my freshman year so the run of that through timber by Pitbull and Kesha oh, wow. which is not the same thing like it was a little it was not the a good place to be at that time for sure but yeah. like I don't know a lot of that is like not my favorite thing um the, the one, I do have a lot of fondness for Zed and Fox's Immortal Hit Clarity, which I was listening to on my run yesterday. I was like, oh, this still like goes off tremendously. I, I still have a lot of those tracks in my like workout playlist. And whenever yeah. they come up, they still just slap. And, you know, we're like about to go through a whole pop punk revival if we're not already going through one. Yeah. And I'm like, ooh, I'm excited for the like, early teens edm revival because like that was a fascinating moment it's and definitely just, coming like, back. so full of like serotonin just <laughs> I, don't I, know. I think the new kim petrus album i mean speaking of kim i think is going to be pretty similar to that vein because her mm-hmm. the new single she dropped she just signed to a major label which is huge yeah. for her yeah um the first single like was like a slightly artier take on like really yeah, well, big actually, budget dance music in a way that so I enjoy. That track was produced by, oh, they're not a duo anymore, but there was these, these two DJs who went by the name Oliver mm-hmm. and they were this like production duo. And like they started in the early teens, started putting out this like EDM adjacent stuff that was very 80s and disco influenced. Mm-hmm. and it was so different but still followed the same conventions but it was so fun that I just like the moment I heard every track they put out I was just blown away by it I was just like I love this in retrospect I'm like oh I'm just definitely gay at the time because like, right. <laughs> it's like just straight up 80s disco new wave sound um, anyway they kind of fell off the map and come like 2018 they like called it quits and we're like we're done however one of them is still working and he's been working on all of kim's stuff which to me i was like oh that's why like i imprinted on kim petrus so quick because i was like yeah you are doing all this stuff and you have that secret sauce that i just love and secondly they when they broke up they released all their sample packs all their drum kits all their synths and all this incredible stuff they had work created they put it up to buy on this website called splice where you can like music producers can go buy sample packs and drum kits and whatnot yeah and i swear to god almost 10 months after the fact they did that that was when like the weekend put out uh like blinding lights and dua lipa put out future nostalgia uh, future nostalgia and i swear to god in this like there were drum kits and sounds that they put out into the world and like i believe it i believe it like the one two punch of don't start now and blinding lights really i do think like 
yeah put the paddles on pop music like it's still there's like vibey shit still but like i mean yeah thank god we're like back in like an actual like dance music influenced era for mainstream pop but that feels a lot more palatable though than like just watered down house music or like prominent djs and producers turning towards house as like a cash grab yeah yeah like um do you th- what do you think like where do you see this trend going like how is it going to play out well so basically the the point i'm trying to make and part of this is just me i'm being a little bit gatekeepery about it of like well, well we're here like- to gatekeep girl boss gaslight that's out of order but that i mean three g's are always always happening on this podcast so like house music was you know like invented on the south side of chicago back in like the late 80s early 90s and it's been one of like the most soulful and also like simplest forms of dance music and it's like been around forever and it's influenced top 40 in unbelievable different ways and just kind of spreads everywhere um, and we probably will be having the four by four beat until the end of time, until someone figures out something more catchy. Right. Um, and it goes in waves, like, you know, it blew up in the nineties and then kind of sputtered out in like the early aughts because, and then transitioned into techno. And then it started, it started having a revival in like around 2015, 2016, 2017, these DJs, mm-hmm started coming through and adding a more bass heavy aspect to it right um like djs like gene ferris green velvet uh bless madonna like Mm -hmm. just been out there doing the work for like decades on it um it's now just upsetting to me seeing that this specific kind of like bass heavy house sound i mean they call it tech house usually um stuff that they were doing back in like 2017 2018 is now being copied by djs right now who are often and not that it's a huge issue but they're often white and they're getting top billing at all sorts of festivals now meanwhile the people who did all the work of keeping this genre alive through like dark ages are just kind of being paid dust or getting like put on the undercard way deep down even though they're there the actual like godfathers of this music right and like kept it alive when no one else cared and like did all the work of creating a new sound that's appealing to everyone so i don't know it just it's upsetting the the upsetting thing for me is just seeing like ooh, every time mainstream medium turns its eye at something it usually seems to suck up all the good ideas and copy everything to the point where it just gets wrecked very quickly and yeah and then it's also like house music is like probably the most diverse form of dance music. There's like people of different races, women, queer people, all sorts yeah. of people in there who've kept it alive. And, and it's kind of like, shitty to see like cis het white guys be yeah, like, and, like position like, themselves as like the luminaries in the field, so to speak. You go to like Spotify and you go to like the house music playlist that Diplo has curated called like House is a Feeling. And all the photos are just white men in v-necks and it's just like Awful. oh my god <laughs> those v-necks um they just have not died like that that's a 2011 I, I think, relic that 
you know what on the first episode of this podcast one of the go call the governor topics was actually v-neck t-shirts that's not on the very first episode of this podcast was the governor called yeah okay good by someone who was wearing a v-neck on the taping which was (laughs) i didn't call him out then but i'm calling him out now so i think they they need to be left pre-pandemic i think that's one thing we can decide to leave it, like but like dj i don't think djs would wear a shirt otherwise that they couldn't wear a v-neck like yeah, I, I get what you're yeah. saying though it is upsetting to like see these like basically false idols almost <laughs> like yeah represent and, a movement know, i don't i'm trying to figure out a way to say this because I, I really don't want to gatekeep and i want people to come into this like genre that's brought me so much joy over the years but it just like and like a lot of the new things that people are doing are like really fun. Like Chris Lake is one of like the mm-hmm. biggest DJs and he is very talented. Yeah. And he's coming up with like a lot of the best ideas. But you just see like other people come in and just like copy those ideas straight up. And it's just like really boring and depressing. And, you know, it's always weird when you see, you know, some scene or style that you're really into and like hold really dear suddenly get invaded by a whole another group of people who are trying to like mimic its styles and things that they say about it it's just like oh my god like can you can you please leave (laughs) yeah i don't know i like when when um chet hanks when he was making his lists for white boy summer right he included house music on it like twice. I don't like I I really no, he didn't list he listed it twice on there and I was just like oh my god, god like what is I, this gonna mean I don't know what yeah I don't know what it means I, I don't know what house I'm music like, means to Chet Hanks like that could that could be I mean, truly I, anything I'm assuming he means like the camel fats like Dom Dalla like you know yeah. some of the stuff that I call I called himbo house it, it, like, oh it's so himbo house like and I like it's I do and have I mean to come that, out I mean as that. enjoying songs by both of those people. And like, oh, to me, the too. ultimate himbo oh, house guy too. is Joel Corey, who is yes. a literal himbo <laughs> Jordy Shore former cast member who did make basically my song of the summer with um Charlie and yeah. Sweetie out out. Yeah. Go listen to it on iTunes. It's very good. But like also, but that's also <laughs> well, like, no, like watered down I, I house music. It, I just like the sample because that's throw my song so good. I call it himbo house because like the whole thing with himbos is you can't resist them. You know, yeah. they're dumb and you know, they're like kind of a rip up of something else, but you still love them and they're still fun and you still like want to get down with it. Right. It's and, empty calorie, but. And like some of it's so I good. Know. I would go as far as saying it's not empty calorie, but it's just, you know, seeing this genre that like was so like influential and like has all these like fascinating people in it just get distilled down to like just a lot of like cis hetero people and you go to these festivals that are house music festivals and i'm just like ooh, i don't want to see anyone here it's just very sad especially when it's like people for example like you know the tech house bassy sound you know there's a, a set by Gene Ferris, who's a Chicago house DJ who's been active. He like came up under Green Velvet. Mm-hmm. He's been active since like the late 90s. He did a set at this big techno festival in Detroit and to that called Movement in 2018. And it's you listen to it and you're just like, oh my God, this is what all the DJs are doing now. 
like this like specific kind of bassy sound like it's really himbo housey and really fun but like is he getting top billing at all these festivals usually no, no. he's usually like b or c to, if he gets booked on it and it's just like ugh. well it i uh, guess like the best case scenario is hopefully all these like interlopers will lose interest after a while and it can go back to being a little bit more like pro forma and yeah and i mean like i look at what's happened with dubstep there's still people who love it more than anything in the world yeah. and they even they're, though to me it's unlistenable at this point they they're broken broken people yeah but they love it so much and they've created this like lovely little world for themselves and i have to respect that and you know i also have to respect it because i listen to a ton of techno that's just truly the most unlistenable, awful music. And I just can't get enough of it. So yeah. I have to listen. I have to respect them for their like unlistenable modem music. Well, on the plus side of things though, like there are so many people making good versions of house music. Like the, there are so many people just making the genre in general right now. Yeah. And there are a lot yeah. of, you know, the hit rate's going to be good too. Like it's not all going to be like oh, misses. Totally. And yeah. I think this is a good transition into our final segment. We're going to play Tear the Community Apart. Okay, I'm ready. So I I have some, it's, this is a simple game. I don't know where I'm going with this, but <laughs> the rules are pretty simple here. I have picked two songs and you're going to tell me which one is better. Easy, right? Okay. So these two songs are from two of 2020's best dance music releases by disco divas in tandem with like classic uk house djs i think you know where i'm going with this a little bit and i think this may be one of the toughest (laughs) the toughest choices yet which song is better murphy's law by rasheen murphy or please by jesse ware Oh, that's so terrible. Why would you put me in this position, Drew? Oh you my God. are the first guest who's come on, Crisis Twink, who could, I think, expound at length about both of these artists. Or at least both of these albums. And I've been dying to talk about both of these albums. Even worse is they're both kind of like the chug. Like they're both that like slowed down disco, like house sound. It's not like a fast beat. It's like a bit slower. Yeah. Um, which I love, love dearly. Oh my god. I mean, okay. Please has been like the soundtrack to my summer, more yeah. or less. And every time I listen to it, it never gets old. It's, um, it is, especially the like, ah, I, yeah, yeah. Like, it's so like euphoric. Oh, I always do it along with the song. Yeah, and you can you can have, I it's literally like the second song in my like summer jams playlist, where like it that's designed for like music to play while you have your like windows down in your car like speeding somewhere yeah and it's just perfect for that it we were in palm springs a few months ago and i really wish that song had been out when we were in palm springs because that would have been like perfect like hot desert yeah party music oh god yeah i i love roisin so much like that whole album was an utter gift to me and i don't know if i would have made it through the pandemic without that album uh but i think i'm gonna have to give it to jesse on this one i i think that's a fair 
I think that's a fair choice. I think I would definitely make the same choice as you, but it's it's close. Murphy's Law is so good. It's it just is like it's instant classic. A Bible. Like it's so that I mean it is. I really liked her remix album from this year too. Like Hardcore oh, Jealousy so has been on like repeat for me for most of the past few months. I I have had ne- I have never had more fun being a stan than for Roisin Murphy. Yeah. It has just been like she started this album cycle back I think in like 2018 was just slowly yeah. dropping songs from it and then eventually was like oh wait they're an album and then the album came out and then like after the album came out she's like oh here's a bunch of quarantine music videos that i made like in my apartment that are yeah. like hilarious she did like a quarantine concert it was one of the most fun things i yeah. watched all quarantine it was, it was like electric stuff like it was so good it was just like every month there was something new from her and I'm just like this is so fun you didn't just like drop an album and run away like you like really are giving us stuff like I am yeah. proud to call myself one of Mickey Murphy's daughters right which is one of the best stand group names we have right now like it's unbelievable I don't know what Jesse Ware's stands are called but count me as one of those yeah. two like for yeah. 2020 was such a good year for like house and disco inflected pop music like oh, between yeah. uh-huh. like future nostalgia is very obviously the like top 40 version mm-hmm. of what Rasheen and Jesse are doing but like future nostalgia is really good too like really really future good nostalgia is fantastic future nostalgia you can play at the gym you can play it on the dance floor you can play it anywhere and it's great and I uh what I was pleasure is like a perfect like drunk on the dance floor with your friends oh yeah under disco ball and then like Rasheen machine is like you're in a warehouse somewhere like in a field and you just took like two capsules of molly <laughs> and, and you're it, just like you, you are, are just like out. <laughs> an intergalactical interdimensional disco faggot and you're just living your best life out of the three of those women roshin is definitely the like gladiator amazon goddess who is like leading you across the battlefield like yeah. Oh yeah. I, I would do I don't know. I've just I've left her for a really long time. Like um even her like stuff with Maloko, I think is like so it's good really too. Good. And people forget about that. Like that's good stuff. Yeah. It sounds a little God, dated I, these days, but like it's still like pretty good. I think we're due for a trip hop revival soon. I'm my words. Kind of ready for a trip hop revival. Like I think there, so, uh, Lo-Fi House has like taken trip hops like place yeah in the world and like it's what it used to like fill or lo-fi hip-hop too but i don't know i i mean yeah, if I like someone she... if lord decides she wanted to make like a portishead album for album number four <laughs> i would not say no to that oh at God. all i mean she's sort of already like melodrama and pure heroin are both like trip hoppy yeah. in a lot of ways but like i don't know yeah. it's that's a sound that really like begs for more excavation like yeah what's crazy so like i saw roisin she did like glastonbury you know like the big uk festival like didn't do one this year because of covid still right so they did like a live stream and they did a they had honey dijon the the house dj the icon yeah maybe the best living the best work love honey dijon right um she had like Roisin Murphy come out to her set um and she did this like classic 
a track done by DJ Parrot, who produced Rasheen Machine. Yeah. Which was this like trip house classic. But she performed it in this up tempo Bossa Nova style. And it was one of the catchiest things I've ever heard. And it was just like, and it was just her in this weird like poncho coat with like a backup dancer. And she just like sold it. It was unbelievable. I was just like, this woman can do everything. She can do everything <laughs> except beat please by jesse ware in this know, particular yeah. <laughs> but well you ran the gauntlet on that i am impressed with you that was the tough maybe the toughest choice we've presented so far so good yeah, for you for very... surviving and hopefully the community really is not mean. too torn apart but well thank you so much for being here um yeah, thank where... you so much for having me really such a treat it's so nice to talk about to someone who is so like passionate and historical about the topics they bring like this was I think very fun to talk about and also like I I really hope that listeners like go check out every artisan song you mentioned like today because it's you truly could make like a playlist just off of this episode alone and it would get you through like the dark winter months ahead oh yeah I hope so absolutely where this is what have... happens when you uh when you listen you read too many music blogs in high school yeah <laughs> you just, like, learn about way too much music that really wasn't for you at the time and just like people take for granted like back then you had to rip everything like un- otherwise you were it's especially crazy. if you were reading the blogs like you were paying like if you were going to pay for music it would have been like 50 plus dollars a month now like people have it easy now that they can just like get everything crazy i mean right away you would either buy single tracks off like the itunes store um, yeah or you'd use like limewire kazaa all that clip converter.cc but like by that point like that gave you a virus and like you'd ruin your family computer right or you had to go to like Borders or Best Buy and buy the album like with your money, which they all cost at Borders like twenty dollars. Yeah. An album. Highway robbery. Like people highway not robbery. to like not to be like old man shakes fist to cloud, but like kids have it so easy <laughs> these days. But where can well, people no, find so you on crazy. social media if you want to be found? Oh you can find me at uh, Will Sandercock on almost all the social medias and if someday you want to listen to my hypothetical dj mixes that i may one day release if i can finally get over my nervousness you can find me on soundcloud at laser minnelli dj name i'm trying out oh my god i am obsessed with that and you absolutely should drop them because people like I think we're like the summer mixes are like out, starting to go out of rotation. Like people need some like fall and winter ones. So you now is the time to do it. Now's yeah, I'm it. I'm working on it. I'm just uh, having a lot of computer problems. I have a very old laptop that just crashes at random moments, so I can't like do anything on it except like email. Well, I I'll but personally I call a team thing- of hackers and cybersecurity <laughs> experts to get that bad boy fixed up so we can get these these laser manelli mixes yeah. once once i get once apple drops their new macbook lineup and i can finally get like serato running without my computer just crashing one day. one day 
one day um for now you can find i'm not making any dj mixes but you can find playlists <laughs> that i send out every week um on culturepig.substack.com um you can find me on twitter at fka pigs with the z and on instagram at drew haskins with z's so yeah will thank you so much again for being here this was a thank true you for poll. having me this is so fun if you have an open invitation to come back anytime maybe we will do oh. the fabled azalea banks christmas album for round oh my two God. <laughs> and <laughs> do a whole album of like ill-fated christmas albums oh, god knows <laughs> god knows that god weeps at that his holiday there's like the, the ariana grande christmas and chill okay well we're you know what if you're gonna slander that i'm shutting this down right now um until next time bye everyone Bye.